You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Tuesday We've got a lot to cover today, and I'm going to hit into two really big topics. First, I've had friends text me about this. I've seen it thrown out on Twitter. I've even seen it on message boards. Should the Pelicans tank next season? I don't think this is a good idea, and I'm going to explain why. Second topic, we're going to talk a little bit about offense. It's kind of exploded in the bubble and gives you an idea of where the NBA is heading and where you need to... What skill sets you're looking for in players to really thrive in the modern NBA? Because it looks different in the bubble, and this is likely going to continue going forth. I'll explain. And then third, we're going to touch on some just random news around the league. A head coaching candidate that's come up, but then kind of got debunked to a degree. The Sixers officially fired Brett Brown. Uh, There's a cool Kobe moment happening. All of that and more in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. As you're going to see in today's show, we got some big topics going on around this team, things to discuss. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, Locked On Pelicans, wherever you get your podcast from. The only thing here, Monday through Friday, for you all breaking down the biggest stories, the biggest topics about this team. You want to know what's going on? We've got what's going on here with the Pelicans on Locked On Pels. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. All right, so the concept of tanking. This is, uh, I, I get why people are coming up with this and why this is a thing that people are, are looking at. When you look at the Western Conference, be, are, are all teams going to be minimum, like very competent next season, you know, relatively competitive? Is there any team that's like, oh, that team's terrible. They're going to bottom out. Minnesota just got the number one overall pick. Even if they, you know, they either pick a guy or maybe they trade it and get kind of right back into the thick of things. The Golden State Warriors are going to be in title contention next year, whether they use that number two overall pick or not, or trade it for another more established NBA guy. I, when you look at all 15 teams, like maybe one or two regress a little bit, but that just means they're not necessarily in the running for the eighth spot, even though they still might be. All of these teams are going to be strong. It's, it's basically going to be a bloodbath out in the West, and they're all going to beat up on each other on any given night, and their records are going to look worse than these teams actually are going into the playoffs. So if you're the Pelicans, knowing your window for championship contention behind Brandon Ingram, who's going to be back next year, behind Zion Williamson, we'll just leave it at those two guys, is not fully open, maybe don't kick this door wide open just yet and be like, we're here, we're trying to win a title. Kind of like what the Sixers have done when their window closed relatively quickly because you saw just it wasn't the right time and that roster wasn't ready for that sort of thing. So get the roster ready for this sort of thing and wait for the right timing. Golden State's only going to have like two or three more years of this where they're really going to be in there. And then they're going to be on the downswing, likely on the backside of it. We don't necessarily know what's going to go on with OKC after this season and even next season. Houston feels like they've got limited legs and a a glass ceiling kind of there eventually too. Denver looks like they need to retool, but they're probably not going to be out of the running next season. So on and so forth. The Lakers, the Clippers, you know, those are teams that are maybe three, four years away before re-examining themselves. Wait a little bit, postpone that kind of championship contention window and try and strike when the timing's right. 
I, I get it. You know, this draft is ra- relatively unappealing. Maybe next draft is, even though I haven't looked at it. That could also potentially be some of the super draft and all of that talk. Maybe you don't need this here next year. I, I don't think this is the right move for a number of reasons. So first and foremost, it's for the players. What does that send? What is the message that gets sent to a guy like Brandon Ingram who wants to win to a guy like JJ Redick and Drew Holiday, both of whom probably aren't going to be around for that sort of thing then too. So if you, if you want to go down that road, you're kind of committing to both of those guys leaving. I think, I think those things go hand in hand. And then what message does it send to Zion Williamson? All of these guys are competitive basketball players that want to go and win. When you don't, end up in winning situations. We've seen what it does to guys, right? Brandon Ingram was, uh, you know, in a mess of a situation that was the Lakers during his time there. Now he comes to this situation, doesn't win. What happens? Does he ever reach the full potential? I think it's a fair question to ask and a concern to have too. So when this topic gets brought up, I do worry about that sort of thing. Is it maybe the smart move? Yes. Is it the right move? I don't know. You've got to try and win basketball games at a certain point in time. That's what you do here. That's why Sam Hinkie got run out of Philadelphia by the league, because at a certain point, it's almost like being too smart for your own good. Your job is to go and win and compete. That's what a sports league is for. And if you're not doing that, I get it. Team building, trying to go about it, you know, the right way, whatever that is. But at a certain point, you've just got to try and win. And that's what it is. And if you're not doing that, the message it sends isn't great to the team. But then to the fans, you can argue that, well, there won't be fans in stands next year, so who cares about attendance? We don't know whether they will be or not, but there's also ratings to worry about, and the TV contract is bigger than all of that overall for the NBA. And if you're not putting a competitive product out there on the court, people won't watch. The ratings are down for issues we can get into maybe at a later date. I didn't like that athletic article about it. I don't think that really makes a ton of sense and is a stretch and kind of weird. But the ratings are down. Putting a poor team out there on the court and stealth tanking, as it's being called, I think, isn't going to help your ratings and you're going to lose more money that way too. If you want to have ratings, you need to put a competitive product out there on the court. Not having Zion for a chunk of this year probably hurt ratings. Not having the Golden State Warriors be competitive hurt ratings, all of that stuff. Stealth tanking is not going to do you any good in terms of your fan base and basically just means you've burned all the goodwill you had after Zion was drafted to the ground. And this year, the team already lost a lot of that, a lot of that this season, particularly with their play in the bubble. Now you're taking an even further step back, and I don't know if that's something that the team wants to do. They might not have a say in any of that stuff because this is up to David Griffin and he's working separately from that, but some of the stuff with the fans is on their mind. And I don't think they want to have to regrow the fan base, start the fan base over again, which is what's been happening. It's why they've never gotten a foothold in this market. When you make the playoffs less than half the time that you've been here in the city, you're not going to build that consistent following that has goodwill towards you. You're going to burn all of that. And the Pelicans would do that here. So I think going out and trying to be competitive and having these guys grow and play meaningful basketball games, that's what we wanted in the bubble, right, is going to do more wonders for them than adding a better draft pick next season and spinning the wheels. I don't think anyone's expecting them to be in title contention next year, but I do think you want to go out and try and win lottery pick be damned. You have enough draft capital for the future that if there's a guy you really want, like you've got to have them, you can probably package picks and make a move up and strike when that opportunity presents itself. I think you've got to try and compete. I think you've got to try and win. And I think the goal will be the playoffs next season. I think there's too many downsides to trying to do some of the other stuff in the stealth tank for the Pels.
All right, we're going to get into some offensive talk and what's going on around the league here in just a minute. But before we do that, today's show is brought to you by CBDMD. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. I'm sitting staring at like two monitors on my dining room table eight plus hours per day than doing basketball stuff after that it hurts to like turn my head to the left and the right my neck is absolutely killing me and i've started using this stuff to really just kind of help it out and man it works and luckily our friends over at cbdmd have an amazing duo that can help you relax regroup and recharge when life gets chaotic cbd freeze with menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient easy to use roller or shareable squeeze tube and cbd recovery combines cbd with inflammation fighting compounds and b vitamins to give you the support you need where it matters most and to make it even easier to try out this amazing duo of topicals and everything else cbdmd has to offer they're offering our listeners 20 5% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com, promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. The only show here Monday through Friday for you all breaking down the biggest topics about the team, the biggest stories. We're going to do that in the next segment that has to do with maybe the future of the franchise and where they take it here. So subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. We may go over this segment and bleed it into the third one, depending on the discussion that I'm going to have with you all with, with the offense of the team. So looking at the bubble, we were dismayed by the Pelicans' defense, right? They were they were horrible defensively. There's no getting around that. I don't think we won't even try and pretend otherwise. They were just stra- straight up bad, disappointing in the bubble, right? Defensively, couldn't stop anyone. Open threes being bombed against them, so on and so forth. Not great. And it makes you want kind of a defensive coach, right? It makes you want to kind of always go the opposite of what you had before. Offensive coach and gentry, now let's focus on the defense. You kind of always go a different direction, I don't know if that's the case of what the team needs to do. I think they just need a different kind of offensive approach, maybe different players than what they had before. When you start really getting into some of the numbers behind what's going on in the NBA's bubble, offense is unbelievable. So freaking good is how the offense has been in the NBA's bubble and in the playoffs so far. Shooting is basically up 5% across the board and guys are being unbelievable look at guys like Luka Doncic you had the duel between Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell the other night and that's how you're winning games it's not with defense right now because frankly guys are playing at such a high level in this that you aren't able to stop them you just need to have better players better shooters better creators and those are the two things you're really looking for shooting and creators When you look at the Dallas Mavericks and how they're able to equal the series with the Los Angeles Clippers, and at one point, it could be, it could be 3-1 either way, right? In that series, instead of it being 2-2, which definitely kind of changes our approach to this sort of thing. But if you look at the way teams are, it's just, you have a guy in Luka Doncic who's able to create for others while also scoring himself and shooting well himself. And if you have that, you're going to go really far. And when you have the shooters to make teams pay, well, then, yeah, you're going to go really far, too. That's what you're seeing. Look at the Miami Heat who are just bombing it away from deep, right? The Bucks, 
they basically play four out around Giannis. Giannis and four shooters. He he creates, does what he needs to, and kicks it out to open shooters on catch-and-shoot situations where guys in the bubble are lethal, and the NBA's been building to this point for a while. Look at the Houston Rockets, who have basically two creators in Harden and Westbrook, and then just put a bunch of shooters around them. They traded away Clint Capella, who's a good center, because they just decided to go all in on that small three-point shooting team that they have. This is how you're winning games in the NBA currently. It's not through defense. You almost have to hope you get lucky during that. When you look at these first-round series, the only outlier is what the Lakers are doing to uh, Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers after the Trailblazers stole game one. But we've seen you can do that to Lillard in the playoffs. But other teams don't have an answer. And defense, I wouldn't even say, has been horrible. It's just these guys are so good offensively. I don't think there's a whole lot else you can do. So when the Pelicans look to try and hire their next head coach and what they want the identity of this team to be, it might be an offensive team. And I know what you're going to say. We just had that, right? That's what Gentry was supposed to do. Except the offense wasn't good. The offense wasn't good at all this year. This team, the Pelicans, had the 17th best offense in the league. It's out of 30. In the bubble... In, in in everything, they were middle of the road. They were 13th out of 22. Their offense wasn't good. This is a team that needed to play in transition a lot because when you look at points per possession, transition is higher than half court. And when you play in transition as much as the Pelicans did, even if you're not good in transition like the Pelicans weren't, it's still better than half court offense. So it raises up your offensive rating or makes you look better than you actually are. Because once things slow down, which it does in the playoffs, you're not able to score as competently. And that's why you saw the Pelicans struggle. And that's a big problem. The Pelicans offense sucked because they weren't able to get out in transition. Well, then you need to have an offense that can score without being in transition. The Pelicans offense uh, points from the fast break dropped 4% to about 10% of their offense in the bubble. And that's down from 14% in the regular season, which put them at fifth in the league. That's not a good number. They basically went from 5th to 22nd, more or less, if you were to put it in during the regular season. You need to be able to score in other ways and have a killer offense in that. And that means catch-and-shoot guys and creators. Lonzo Ball isn't that. He's a good point guard in transition, but in the half court, he's a guy that just is a connector. Gets the ball from one guy to the other, but doesn't create for him. He doesn't drive. He doesn't attack. You've seen it. Look at what Luka Doncic is doing with teams playing drop coverage against him and drop coverage is what almost every NBA team is doing right now, unless you're the Lakers against Damian Lillard, because you can't do that. You back off, try and take away the rim. And these guys are just like, okay, by doing that, someone's going to be open and they're, they're getting them the ball, passing the ball, creating for others because teams are scared of these guys with the ball in their hands. And then they're also just capable shooters off the dribble. You have a guy like that to a degree here in new Orleans in Brandon Ingram. And maybe they need to look to feature him as the primary ball handler a little bit more, somewhat like what the Lakers did with him in the second half of last season. I think that could be a way to kind of go and create a really good offense. But you're seeing a blueprint to how to make a very good NBA team. And it's not defense. And if the league continues with this trend, shooting just becoming as good as it is, and teams have consistently been getting better at shooting over the past 10 years now, and it almost feels like it's crescendoing to some degree here. If you don't have that, or you're facing that on a nightly basis, if your defense is amazing, it doesn't matter. You're still going to lose because at a certain point, there's just not really stopping a lot of these guys. 
And so maybe the Pelicans need to lean into that. Don't try and go with the different approach. Follow the league trends. So when you hear guys get brought up for this job and you wonder if they're a good defensive coach, that's important, yes. But can they build a half-court offense is what I'm looking at right now. So we'll get into some coaching stuff here in a minute, some Kobe stuff as well, because there's a cool thing going on in LA. But before we do that, today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Your car is important. Without it, your life kind of falls apart at times. We, we all know this. So you want to make sure your car is running properly, that it's not in danger of breaking down, or if it's not running right now, you need to fix it. And fixing it can be expensive, but you can make it just a little bit cheaper for yourself or sometimes a whole lot cheaper for yourself over at rockauto.com. If you go to a chain store to try and find what you're looking for for your car, they're going to have one part. You're going to have to pay that price. And the guy at the counter isn't going to be all that helpful to you. And it's just a bad experience. You don't need to deal with that because you have a computer with access to rockauto.com at your home and frankly on your phone in your pocket. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and always reliably low. Yeah, they always offer the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear, like what airlines do. Basically, rockauto.com is for everybody. It doesn't require a membership or an account login. It's a family business that's just been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything you're looking for, whether it's engine control modules, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet to refresh the interior of your car. And best of all, other than the low prices, their catalog is unique and easy to navigate. They're going to make this as simple as possible for you while giving you the best price possible. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts from here Monday through Friday for y'all breaking down everything you want to know. Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts from. All right, wrapping up today's show, I want to touch on something in regards to the Pelicans coaching search. This is uh, not directly related, but something that kind of I, I noticed yesterday and then the immediate reactions to it, which I think are just almost incorrect in the way to kind of read the situation. So Philadelphia 76ers fired their head coach, Brett Brown. We talked about it yesterday. No surprise. Not a fan of Brown coming here in New Orleans, at least as a head coach. I do think he might end up with the Suns and Monty Williams, uh, who he who worked for him a couple of years ago and kind of now maybe reversing the favor. I do think Brown, to some degree, is a good coach. Just maybe needs a little bit longer before I would hire him as a head coach again with some of the stuff that went on in Philly. A lot of it, which, by the way, was not even remotely his fault. So... With there being a number of coach uh, head coaching openings here, and it's it's a good time to be a head coaching candidate, that's for sure. A name that's come up is Juwan Howard, the University of Michigan head, Michigan head coach, former NBA player with the Miami Heat as well, and he was an assistant coach under Eric Spolstra. I do think Spolstra is probably one of the three best coaches in the league, five best coaches in the league at the very worst, and his name has come up. And it was floated by Woj or Shams. I don't remember which. And then the immediate reaction was like, oh, my God, uh, coaching agents working overtime. 
I think people, when they see a name that they aren't really interested in, want to kind of blame the agent of like trying to drum up interest in that coach rather than accept the fact that maybe your team might hire a coach that you don't particularly like. And it's just kind of a way to not deal with the reality of the situation. You've kind of seen it with the stuff with Jason Kidd when I've said like, this isn't Jason Kidd's agent who brought his name up. So And look, I don't want Jason Kidd to be the head coach. And so if I were just a fan, like, yeah, I'd be like, there's no way this is real because he's a bad head coach, right? That's what I think. And I want this to kind of validate it to a degree. With Juwan Howard, you know, immediately uh, people are like, oh, it's his agent, all of that for him trying to get in there. And I don't know if he's going to be a good head coach or not. And I haven't seen him linked to the Pelicans. And frankly, the Pelicans haven't even started this stuff yet. So if he is, don't read too much into it. I think this is just either people drawing connections or maybe his name has come up, but I don't think it's his agent. Shortly after he put out a statement being like, I'm not looking, I'm not listening. I'm the head coach of Michigan where he played part of the fab five uh, with Chris Weber, who's annoying. And he's like, I got this job. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm looking forward to. And then people are going to say, and they already have, well, like, of course it's a college head coach saying this. If he says like, oh yeah, I want to leave or I'm not fully committed. What's it say to recruits, right? Yes, perfectly logical, except I think teams in the NBA are doing this. Why would his agent do that and then force him to clarify that? It's just not a good look. And people know not to trust coaches at this point, right? So if it's his agent doing this, his agent's going to scare off the recruits potentially that he's got going there because no one believes that statement, right? That he put out saying, no, I'm the head coach at Michigan. I'm not thinking about these other things. So I don't think when you really look at it and the situation is that it's agents doing most of this, I don't think that does a whole lot. And David Griffin and his media availability basically was like, yeah, if you're texting me about this, like, I'm not going to probably think about you. Like, that's not going to do what you want. They're going to have a list of people. Like, it's not like someone's going to text him and be like, take a shot on my dude. And then they get hired. I think the closest I've seen where it's an agent or someone kind of working behind the scenes to put their name out there in hopes that it like landed them a gig was actually Joe Dumars with the stuff here when there wasn't a whole lot to that, or at least coming from the pals on that sort of stuff. Dumars was interested and maybe throwing his name out there enough got him some, you know, sort of consultation with the Kings. But overall, like, I don't think that gets you the job that you're actively lobbying for. It doesn't work. Like, when has that been a thing, right? Ever. It doesn't happen. So when you see these coaching names come up, I don't think it's their agents pushing their names forward. I think there's legitimate interest in some of these guys. If someone was like, oh, you know, if I'm if I'm a big national reporter and it's like, oh my God, look at Juwan Howard for this job. And then that team was like, no, we're not looking at that, dude. You think that team's going to give you any information again? No, because you're, you're muddling up their whole process. So I think when you look at some of this stuff, keep that in mind because... I do think there's a lot more smoke to some of these rumors that are out there than people kind of realize. Whether it goes anywhere or is more than just like their name getting mentioned in a front office meeting, might not. it might be, what about this guy? And they're like, nah. Or like, oh, interesting, but let's put him at the bottom of our list. Like that stuff happens all the time. Technically, those names are being brought up, right? But nothing's ever going to come from it. So I think with a lot of this stuff, it's similar to that. But the Dewan Howard one, I thought was interesting with people just immediately being like, oh my God, this, and it's it's his agent. It's like, nah, it's probably not his agent. Uh, finally, before we wrap up, it was Kobe Bryant's birthday the other day. Yesterday was Kobe Day, 824, the two numbers he wore. Doing a cool thing at the Staples Center in LA. They're going to name part of Figueroa Street, which runs right by it, to Kobe Bryant Boulevard, I think is what it was, or Kobe Boulevard or Bryant Boulevard. And that is awesome. Love it. 
Very, very cool thing. His influence around the league still felt to this day. That was just a really nice thing to see. Hopefully, one day, we'll have a... You'll probably see like a Breeze, a Drew Brees way, Drew Brees Street, something like that, uh, in the future, too, once he retires. So, very cool to see. Really made me happy being an L.A. guy and growing up a Laker fan. So, awesome to see. So, was thrilled about that. Kobe mentality, the Mamba mentality, still very prevalent throughout the league. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Big thank you to the sponsors, rockauto.com, as well as CBDMD. Go check them both out. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow.